Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, back again with my co-host, Mike Lawless, IMEG's Director of Innovation. Mike, welcome back. Yeah, great to be here, Joe. Today, we've got a special guest, IMEG President and CEO, Paul Van Dyne. Paul, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to both you and Mike. So, Paul, this is a big year for you. It's your your 20th anniversary as President and CEO. And in November, you're going to be honored by ENR Midwest with their 2023 Legacy Award for your lifetime of service to the AEC industry and to our community, which, by the way, for those who don't know where we're coming from, we're in the Quad Cities of Illinois and Iowa, right on the Mississippi River, about halfway between Chicago and Des Moines. But uh, Paul, we wouldn't be sitting here and talking about this today if you'd followed your original plans when you first moved out to the Midwest back in the 70s. Is that right? Well, that is probably correct on that. I actually came out to the Midwest to become a chiropractor. But I graduated from college as an electrical engineer and then went right into Rutgers University towards my MBA. And I was working for a company. It was about a 500-person uh, architectural engineering firm back in New Jersey. And uh, the owner changed the ownership over to his son, who happened to be a CPA. And uh, nothing against CPAs, but I was going to my MBA courses to learn about widgets, and I became a widget. So I uh, went to chiropractic college, Palmer College of Chiropractic. My first uh, week there, I met my wife. Uh, she wasn't my wife, obviously, at the time, but I met this girl from New Jersey who became my wife. Uh, I was going into a new career direction, and uh, about six months into it, I needed to make some money and joined this small engineering company over in Rock Island, Illinois. I was their 16th person in the beginning of 1976, and that was my start uh, with what eventually became IMEG. I know a lot happened between then and the time you became CEO in 2003. Uh, but one of the things that really got the firm going in, at that point was uh, getting established in the healthcare industry. Yeah. So uh, obviously with my chiropractic uh, education, and I actually did graduate as a chiropractor too, uh, I really loved healthcare. And as a company, we did a lot as far as office renovation, educational facilities, and industrial. But we didn't do anything in healthcare. And there was a gentleman named Sam Ray, and our original company was KJWW Engineering. And he was a mechanical engineer, I was an electrical engineer, and we actually called on community hospitals trying to find a hospital that would let us do their engineering. We finally found Perry Memorial Hospital. Uh, it was less than an hour drive from here. And uh, we started doing engineering for them. And other community hospitals started to get in touch with us, and we did work for other community hospitals. So that was kind of the beginning of our dive into healthcare. However, there was a hospital that I heard about that was in Libertyville, which is just outside of Chicago. And uh, they were going to do a major renovation. And I just kept calling the architect that was in charge of that. I called them every day. And we became uh, the engineer for that project. And it wound up being actually an award-winning project for us. Uh, and it was the thing that gave us a start 
as far as doing healthcare on a much bigger level. Paul, funny story from my perspective is I actually worked on that project <laughs> as, as a young as a young engineer. I, I helped towards the end with with a number of things there. And I guess you know when you were looking at, at getting into the healthcare market, and I know you you know you've got a, a great vision of of the future. When you really got into that, what was your ultimate vision and drive besides your passion from your chiropractic background? What what else did you foresee for for IMEG with that entry into the healthcare market? You know, Micah, with healthcare, it, it's evolving so quickly. The technology constantly changes, and it's got to be right. When you do the engineering for a hospital, uh, lives are dependent on how that infrastructure goes together, how it works, the redundancies that have to go into it, the stability of what you're putting together is paramount. And it's got to be there. And I just love that. I love that engineering becomes such a big part of what a facility is. So uh, looking at that, I couldn't see in the future, I couldn't see a time where we wouldn't have to evolve ourselves and evolve our capabilities in order to do a successful job in that. Obviously, another thing you've been passionate about is, you know, the growth of the growth of IMEG and, and our strategy around you know, mergers and acquisitions. You want to talk a little bit about that? So it's interesting. We we had a merger of two companies that came together. Uh, I had mentioned KJWW Engineering, which morphed into IMEG with the merger of TTG, uh, which was an engineering company on the West Coast. And it was a 450-person firm in, in KJWW and a 350-person firm of TTG. But it, it was a quick way of growing and, and actually gaining capability along with gaining geography. And we said, why don't we just continue that on? And so that's when we started doing mergers and acquisitions. And having companies join us is, uh, I think, has been a tremendous growth strategy for us in that we're bringing on these people that do things that uh, would take us a long time to develop internally in-house. It's been a phenomenal way to increase our capabilities to our clients and also to increase our ability to reach our clients in a very local and intimate way. Paul, uh, I imagine the diversification uh, and, and everything that we've gained since we started this We've had 34 acquisitions. We've gone from, what, 800 staff members in the Midwest and California to 2,400 today at, at over 80 locations. Um, that has helped us weather a lot of adversity, particularly during the, the pandemic. Isn't, isn't that true? It, it really is, Joe. Uh, I think the, there's four things that really got us through that. One thing is, just as you said, diversity. Uh, we had a huge diversity of services that we offer. We still do. And so we have our structural, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, technology, and civil. But we also have a number of services aside from that. If you take a look at medical equipment planning, commissioning, architectural lighting, acoustics, the list just goes on. So having that variety of, was huge in us obtaining work during that period of time. I would say the second thing is, is really taking a look at, at the different geographies that we, we live in. Uh, we, we are from coast to coast. We are a national company with a local presence, and we have a number of different offices that interface with a lot of different clientele. 
And so we were able to get projects where I'm going to say maybe larger companies or more regional companies weren't able to. That geography spread out was huge for us. Then I'd say the other piece was market sectors. And we're in over 20 market sectors. And when I say market sectors, I'm saying healthcare, aviation, science and technology, and transportation, industrial, all these different market sectors that we participate in. Now, one of them, for instance, hospitality, went from one of the hottest market sectors in January of 2020 to a non-existing market sector in May of 2020. So we were able to repurpose and being able to repurpose and use these different market sectors that were uh, really looking for engineering capability like healthcare during that period of time was unbelievable for us. And then I say the fourth piece that was really huge on that is employee ownership. And the fact that we have people that are owners in our company, there's a different level of effort and a different level of service that's provided by the fact that that's who we are. So yes, I think that really helped us get through obviously the COVID period, but any difficult times that come up, I think that's a huge stability factor for us. One of the other unique things is all of our, our local offices were also part of a single profit center. Yeah, Mike, that's that's huge to us. Uh, that's if you want to talk about some of our basic tenants. So, being a single profit center, everybody is in it for for the good of the company, and the collaboration that we have between different teams is unbelievable. So it allows people to use the best asset that we have to get this project finished. Uh, Who are the best people that we can put on this project? Uh, Who has the best capability? And we can do that without a consideration for what's the bottom line impact. The bottom line impact is everybody is in this together. So I think it provides uh, a seamless way for iMake to operate and I think it is a real benefit for uh, for our clients. Paul, you've got a vision for year 2030, right? Uh, what is that? Yes. So our vision for 2030 is to be a billion-dollar company. Uh, now, we've had other visions before. We had a vision of becoming a $250 million company. We had a vision of becoming a $500 million company. Uh, now it's taken a look at 2030 and a billion dollars. The dollars isn't the important part on that. It's how does a billion dollar company operate compared to what we are today, close to a $500 million company? So what are the differences you have? And what our company is in the process of doing today because we have that goal is saying, what do we look like? So we've got our engineering side and saying, okay, how do we complete engineering as a billion dollar company as opposed to 500 million? We also take a look at what we call our corporate service group, finance and accounting, human resources, marketing, uh, information systems, all those different groups and say, how do we operate that way also? And what are the changes we need to make to get to that point? I think something that IMEG has done through the years, it's something a lot of companies find a hard thing to do is that we, even though we're operating very, very successfully the way we are, we've said, okay, we're going to actually, in a sense, scrap that and say, what does it take to operate in the future? 
And by taking a look at the future, you reinvent yourself. So when you get to the future, it's not like, oh, what do I do now? It is we're ready and set and operating that way. What's your prediction on what 2030 might look like? <laughs> what might be different as far as how we engage with clients and, and innovation and some of those sorts of things? Well, I, I think there will be huge differences in how we do it. I mean, take a look at some of the technologies coming out. Look at AI just in itself. I mean, AI is absolutely going to be incorporated in the way we do design. Uh, and, I, and it's going to be for the benefit of our client. Our client's going to get the benefits of what we're doing that way. Um, take a look at digital twins and digital twins is basically mimicking what the construction is or how the building operation is. And so I take a look at construction in the future and say, how do we supplement the construction capabilities so that the construction capabilities are easier and more accurate and finished on time and on budget more so than they are today? We take a look at the building operations. How do we play a bigger part in that? and make sure that what we design today to operate efficiently is efficient into the future. So I see the way we do things being significantly better for our clients and also for our peers in the construction industry. I think we're going to make huge improvements that way. Yeah, Paul, when you talk about the future too, uh, every year we have groups of newly hired engineers uh, recently graduated to come through uh, our our headquarters here for our program called Consultancy 101. And I know you make a point to to meet with them on a regular basis and have a discussion. What message or advice do you give them through those visits? Boy, Joe, you've just named one of the favorite things that I do. When we bring in new graduates, we're bringing in young blood. We're bringing in people that have new ideas their expectations out of what they're going to get out of a workday are different than maybe what we've had in the past. And definitely when you take a look at somebody that started when I did, significantly different to that. So we have this consultancy 101. Any new graduate that we hire anywhere in the country, within six months of graduation, they have to spend one week back in the Quad Cities with all the other new graduates we've hired. We have multiple sessions a year. First of all, think about you're a new graduate and you come into the Quad Cities, you meet graduates from all over the United States. And you're spending each day together, but every night we have an activity planned there too. Think of the socialization and the collaboration for the future that's being built there. It's unbelievable. They're going to get a sense of what they can do in their career at IMEG. What does IMEG offer them as far as those capabilities are concerned? I get to spend an hour and a half with them at the end of their session. Almost everyone, they ask me that same question. What's the advice? And I would say the advice is to volunteer. It's to get involved. It's to uh, get outside your comfort zone just a little bit. There's a lot of possibilities that IMEG offers and whatever community you're in, it also offers a lot of, of possibilities that you can do. The thing is, you need to be proactive in doing that. Uh, and so you need to step up and say, yes, I want to try something different. Yes, I want to learn something different. Yes, I want to take on a new responsibility. Um, volunteerism is a huge capability and, uh, and there's a huge benefit to it. 
you know, thinking about that advice and thinking about IMEG as a billion dollar company, that just means a bigger impact of all those engineers that, that are engaged with IMEG. It, it really does, Mike. And, you know, uh, one of the things, again, a billion dollars, uh, I, you know, I, the tough thing about that is it's dollars and people put that towards maybe profitability or whatever. It, it's a size of a company. And I think what we can do as an engineering company at that size is we can really start to change how engineers are viewed in this world. And, you know, we want to create positive outcomes for people, community, and the planet. I mean, that's, that's our purpose. And as a billion-dollar company, I think we can have much more impact on that. And, and that's, that would be a huge goal is to really see that happen too really have people when you're going to build a building uh absolutely think about who the architect is that's really important that's aesthetically what your building is going to look like but just as important think who your engineer is going to be because that's how your building is going to operate into the future well paul i really uh, appreciate you joining us here today it's been a pleasure um look forward to doing it in another five years when you get to 25 years as a ceo and who knows 30 the way rate you're going paul i wouldn't be surprised well thank you joe i appreciate it um a lot of people ask me uh you know when's your retirement date and i don't know that i i have that in mind at this point right now uh, i imagine there will be a point when i do you know i i take a look at chronological age and i spend a great deal of my life uh, trying to take back that chronological age to some degree, I'm going to say, with uh, <laughs> might be with supplements, it might be with exercise. I take saunas every day. Uh, I do whatever I can do. Uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. And if your mindset is a progressive mindset and it's an abundance mindset, I think that gives you a huge advantage. And uh, so um, I'm, uh, I'm fighting a war against chronological age, but uh, so far I'm staying on top of it. I'd say you are, Paul. So congratulations again on, on the upcoming award. And uh, uh, again, thanks for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Mike. I really enjoyed it. That was Paul Van Dyne, IMEG President and CEO. Listeners who'd like to catch previous episodes of The Future Built Smarter can tune in to us on our website, imegcorp.com, or listen to us on any podcast app. We'll be back in the near future with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. <music>